You're listening to Out of the Box with Rosie Tran. Out of the Box is available on Stitcher and iTunes Radio. If you like us, subscribe and leave a nice comment. Out of the Box podcast is sponsored by HugMeTees.com. HugMeTees.com. Spread love, give a hug. HugMeTees.com. I'm here today with author, speaker, and host of the podcast, uh, School of Greatness, Lewis House. Lewis, how are you doing? I'm doing Great. I'm a little sore, but I'm feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> what What are you sore from? I just had a really intense spin class today. I've only done. I've, my, Where are you going? Tell me. You have to tell me. My friend Jenna Phillips. Uh-huh. Uh, she has a spin class in. I think it's Aurora Cycle or something like that. But it's my first time, and so spinning is intense, isn't it? It was so intense. <laughs> I was. I mean, I can't go into a workout kind of half-ass, and so I really went all out, and I was just like, oh, and now I'm feeling it, just sitting here, yeah. I did that, too. I went to my first spin class about a year and a half ago, and I thought, well, you know, I bike. As you can see in my living room, there's two bikes, and I thought, this will be no big deal, right? Right, right. No, it's tough. (laughs) I mean, if you take it slow, it's pretty easy, but I was like, let's push it, yeah. No, the one I went to when I first went, my first class was really intense. It was supposedly a beginner class, but they had the music and they were like, get in the zone, focus, focus. Yeah, right. And and I, I just, I guess you're right. I just wanted to push myself and, and kind of like keep up. Like I didn't want to be yeah. like, you know, maybe it was ego, but I <laughs> was sore. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sore right now and I'm supposed to go play basketball later with our mutual friend Preston. Okay. And I'm like, uh, I'm going to have to cancel, bro. <laughs> We'll see if he calls me. If not, maybe I'll just skip it today. Well, you're a professional athlete, right? You were a former professional football player, yeah. and now you are on the U.S. handball team. Yeah, U.S. national team. And uh, it's a it's an intense, fast, physical sport, mostly played in Europe. Uh-huh. But uh, there's a, we have a team in the USA as well. So in June, I'm going to Brazil and Uruguay to, to, tr- to compete with the team in the Pan American Championships. So all of the countries in North and South America come together for a tournament in uh, in Uruguay this time. That sounds and, pretty uh, intense. Uh, and yet a West Hollywood <clears throat> spin class yeah. <laughs> is ready to break you. Well, she's just That's been how pushing intense. Me. Yeah, right, right. Spinning is, people. <laughs> well, again, it's kind of like I could go in there and take it easy and be fine right now. But I was like, I'm pushing it. I'm getting myself a workout. You know, you're feeling the music. She's a great teacher, so I was like, let's go. Let's take it to the top, you know? <laughs> Climb these hills. That's awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about your story. So I know your story, but some of my listeners don't. You were a professional athlete, and then you got injured. Yeah. And you had kind of a spiritual and transformational journey where you turned into this new version of you, or different version of you, maybe, mm-hmm. that is now just making leaps and bounds and changing the world with awesome podcasts mm-hmm. and speaking and other things. So what, where did this all start? What all started after I got injured uh, playing in a in a game in, in uh, my rookie season, and my entire life my dream was to be a pro athlete, and I didn't have a backup plan after that. It was just this is what I want to do, this is what I'm going to do, whatever it takes. Uh, so when I got injured, I had a, a cast on. I had surgery. You can see the scar right here. I don't know if you can see it, but um, I was in a cast from my shoulder to my my hand like this for six months. So as an athlete, by the way, he's waving his hand yeah. up in an L shape. <laughs> yeah. So about, if you, I, I picture the movie Rookie of the Year. I don't know if anyone's seen that movie, but there's a kid in a full arm cast, and then he becomes a baseball pitcher, and he has like this Superman arm afterwards. Uh, but that's the position I was in for six months, and it was just extremely depressing and lonely for me to be in that position physically and emotionally, knowing that my dream was over. 
And I didn't have a college degree at the time. It was 2008 when the economy was pretty bad. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, how I was going to do the job, if how I was going to make money. I was living off my sister's couch for about a year and a half, just recovering and living off credit cards. And it was just a, yeah, a lonely, lonely time because I felt like I'd hit rock bottom and I wasn't sure what to do. Whereas months prior, I was, I had a helmet and gear on. I felt like I was a warrior <laughs> playing in front of 10, 15,000 people every weekend all around the country getting paid to do what I love. And you were thinking of going into the NFL. Yeah, that was my dream was to move up and go to the NFL the next year. And uh, it didn't happen. So it was just like I put all my eggs in this one basket my entire life, my entire childhood. It was to train and prepare to be a professional athlete. and then. So when you ended. say your entire life, you were playing football since you were a kid. <clears throat> no, I was playing other sports. I didn't start playing football until I was a sophomore in high school, until I was 15. Okay. But I was uh, originally wanted to be a professional basketball player. I played basketball all the time. It was my passion. But then I stopped growing when I was about 12, if you can believe it or not. I'm, uh, you're pretty tall. Yeah, yeah. I'm 6'4". <laughs> Too short. Yeah, yeah I'm 6'4". <laughs> but in the NBA, that's like really small. And I wasn't, you know, I couldn't jump as high as, you know, I can still dunk and everything, but I wasn't like just jumping above the rim. I didn't have anything like outrageous about me. I was just a really good athlete, but you can't be in the NBA just being a really good athlete. You've got to be outrageous. So when foot, when I started practicing, my mom wouldn't let me play football when I was younger because she didn't want me to get hurt. Believe it or not, she, she, didn't want to, she thought I'd be too small for it. And when I little puppy <laughs> just kicked her on accident when i um i was playing varsity soccer my freshman year and i my ego got in the way i wasn't playing that many minutes so i was like this sucks the coach is not playing me even though i feel like i should be playing the football coach was like why don't you come play football with me i'll start you right away so i was like yeah my <laughs> ego was like perfect i was like screw this coach i'm gonna go play football and uh, i fell in love with it right away I fell in love with everything about it, the discipline, the teamwork, the camaraderie, the the heart. It was so challenging to memorize hundreds of different plays. I played wide receiver to memorize these plays and take a hit to the head or to the ribs and then get right back up and like figure out what the next play was going to be and remember what I was supposed to do. So it was very mentally challenged, emotionally challenging and physically demanding for me. So I just fell in love with the journey of improving myself in all areas it's interesting that you say that because i think a lot of people have this perception of football players as being dumb jocks and yet you're saying this was extremely mentally challenging oh for you God. i mean the was, mentally challenging part is more stands out to me than the physically challenging part it was the hardest class in school i could have ever taken in terms of like memorizing anything like we had the thickest playbooks and i had to memorize every play so There'd be like a number, a color, a name, or something else. <laughs> and you could interchange. You're, they're doing them. sign language on you the could, side. It's so much. <laughs> it's so complicated. Like people don't understand how smart you have to be to be a football player. It's so complicated. Like it took me about four years of playing football until I could actually understand it without me having to think so hard. It wasn't until I was in college where I was like, I could see the field and read it where it was came naturally to me instinctively as opposed to like, where am I supposed to go? What steps? How many placements? How far away from the quarterback am I supposed to be? If he changes to an audible, what am I supposed to do next? Am I blocking? Am I, you know, it's like constantly moving while you can't even breathe. And you've got like 15 pounds of weight <laughs> on your head and your shoulders. 
you just got a huge hit to the stomach. You lost your breath, and you've got to like get back up. You've been sprinting all for hours. It's like four hour games. You play through injuries constantly, and you got to memorize all this stuff and not mess up. And are you improvising as the other team does their plays because you guys aren't knowing what they're doing, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so there's impro- improvising as well. There's a lot of improvising, <laughs> and then when you catch the ball, when you finally catch the ball, then you've got to make a play. You've got to <laughs> improvise. You've got to get the first down. You've got to score. You can't fumble it. There's so much to think about during every play in football, and so that's why it's why it takes so much preparation. And, and timing and dedication to, to mastering the sport. And that's why the challenge is, you know, a lot of NFL players now are getting extremely depressed when they're done because you put all this energy and effort into learning and mastering your craft and then you retire. And there's, you know, stories of people committing suicide the year after they retire from the NFL because it's just like they've lost their identity. Yeah, it's like you do this for so long and then it's done. It sounds like you are using all facets of your beingness, your physical Everything. body, your emotional well-being, your mental well-being. It, I guess I'm a football fan, but I never thought of it in that way until this moment when you said that. It's extremely <laughs> challenging, intellectual, me- mentally and physically demanding everything. So what do you think there is a stereotype about football players as being dumb jocks? Uh, just because a lot of them are, you know, big. <laughs> <laughs> and like warrioristic, like so animalistic you know aggressive and some of the times uh that translates over into the real world where they do being brutish they do a negative thing as well you know some players get you know have issues with the law or whatever yeah whatever and that's it just comes up and so people just assume that everyone's like that so you're putting 100 percent of yourself into this sport this passion and then you're on a couch yeah pretty much instantly <laughs> that sounds like a kind of like intense 180 it was very intense with a cast with your arm like this yes in yes. the l shape <laughs> exactly yeah it's very intense but i'm super blessed that i have family that was really there to just kind of support me along the way and my dad actually got in this really bad accident the year prior to me going to play arena football where we were like he had a brain injury so we he was in a coma for three months. We didn't know if he was going to make it. And when he did wake up, it was like we had to teach him how to walk, talk, read and write. He lost a lot of his memory. So it was kind of like walking through as a child again, teaching him how to grow up. And so, I, you know, my father was going through this experience. I just got injured and lost my dream. And I was like, what am I going to do next? And luckily, my sister was like, you can come stay with me for free. Was this back in Ohio? Back in yeah, Columbus. And uh, for about a year, I was just like, what am I going to do? Soul searching. I was doing a lot of soul searching. <laughs> I was 24. And I felt like, you know, I was an adult, but I wasn't a man. I couldn't even stand on my own two feet. And I was just like, felt so embarrassed. So you're out in Columbus and you had an opportunity to get a job, a good job, $40,000 a year job. Mm-hmm. And you said no. Tell us a little bit about that because yeah. I, maybe the average person, look, looking back in hindsight, obviously it was a make or break moment because now you're so much more than that. But what what were you thinking mm. at the time when you had this opportunity to go in for this job interview and uh, in sports? Yep, yep. Which yeah. is, you know, wasn't your dream, but it was in sports. Yep. And then you said, nope, I'm not going to do it. That's funny you actually know that story because I've only told that a few times. So I don't know where you found that or where you read that about me. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm trying to think of where did I post that because I've only shared that a couple times. I'm good. I'm just that good. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> was that in my book maybe or something? I don't know. Um, See, you are just in the mode of pure creation that you don't even know. I've actually had people quote me. I had someone quote me. I was on another podcast, and they quoted me and did a little meme of me. And I was like, did I say that? Yeah, right, right. (laughs) I don't remember saying that. I don't know. Okay, sure. (laughs) Yeah. I. um, So after about a year, I was doing a lot of personal growth and development on myself. I, I had a number of mentors I was working with during this year, year and a half period of being on my sister's couch. I was doing a lot of research online, studying other influencers. I was interviewing a lot of people, asking them about how they got to where they are in their career and their life, just like learning about people. And I was going to Toastmasters. I was like networking. I was doing it all. I was like really (laughs) trying to grow and see, okay, what are some skills that I can learn while I'm just trying to figure it out? Yeah, Yeah, figuring it out. So I wasn't just like sitting there doing nothing, but I was really like, I wasn't making any money. And... Yeah, my sister, like after about a year, she was like, so <laughs> don't just, you think you're ready to like get a job, <laughs> like, you know, start contributing to like, <laughs> She's like maybe so pay- I love you, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> dot, she, dot, was dot. Incre- she was incredible. <laughs> like, I'm so blessed and grateful for her. That's my sister, Catherine. And yeah, she was, uh, <laughs> but after about a year of me eating all of her food for free and not contributing at all to rent <laughs> and really just being like a lazy bum on the couch. She was like, do you think you should try to like get a job? <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I started researching um, jobs on Craigslist at the time, I think, or I don't know, something like that. And I just typed in like sports, sports business, sports marketing. And this one came up that looked pretty interesting. I was like, man, this is pretty sweet. I bet I would do really good at this job. And so I like sent my application in or whatever and they they had a t- an interview time for me to go in like the next week. And I remember it was like the day for me to go and just having this like feeling in my heart. Like I just felt like I was going to get it if I showed up. I was like, I'm going to get this job. <laughs> I just knew I was going to get it. And I was like, there's no way they, they couldn't take me. And I was just like, I don't think I can go then because I was, I was scared to get the job. And I knew in my heart that I couldn't work for someone else. But I didn't know how to make money yet. So I was like, what do I do? <laughs> I didn't know how to make a dollar. Um, had you ever had another job other than being a football player? Mm, At this point, you're 24 years old. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty young. Before I was playing football, this like in the summer prior to getting picked up on the arena team, I was a truck driver for three months. <laughs> so you... Literally had only had two jobs in your entire life. I did some like I was like a bouncer at a nightclub on like the weekends, <laughs> but it was like two nights a week, and then I was truck driving during the week. But literally from college, when I was in high school and college, every summer my dad was like, "You know, if your dream is to be a pro athlete, then just come home and train for the summer, and I'll like you can stay at home for free. You know, I'll, I'll make sure I'll pay for your training, whatever." But you can't work a nine to five in the summer and then expect to train like a couple hours a night. You're to be exhausted. So he was really supportive of my dream and just like train, train in the off season, train in the summer. That's your job. And I was like, perfect. Cause I love working out. <laughs> so for me, I, you know, I had a couple little like two week jobs here and there for their like very time sensitive, like moving or a camp counselor type of thing. But, um, and one year I like cut greens on a golf course <laughs> in the summers, in the mornings. 
but it was so like, odd jobs. Nothing like odd a, jobs. nothing like a real career. This I was never, this was a chance for yeah. you to have a career yeah, yeah. in the sports industry, other than being a professional football player and your yeah. odd jobs. Yeah, right. I never worked for more than three months. The truck and, driving was the longest job. <laughs> Seriously. So what? What made you just say, "Hey, I'm I'm I know I'm gonna what." What made you say, I know I'm going to get this, but I'm, I'm, I'm meant for something else. Yeah. Like, what was that like? I mean, it was just, again, it was like this feeling in my heart that it just, I, sh- I can't go because I knew I was going to get it and it's not really what everyone really what I wanted. I felt like I was up to something big. I didn't know what, but I knew that I was meant to inspire the world in some type of way. And I was very, and this is why I was drawn to Toastmasters originally because I was so terrified to speak in public, so terrified. I would tremble with the thought of getting up in front of more than five people. But, but playing football in front of ten to 15,000 people, nothing? I thrived. <laughs> okay. I, didn't to, I didn't have to speak. I just perform. <laughs> and I was a great performer. And I was a great athlete. And I really trusted my body. And like I worked my butt off to be great. So, you know, I'd still get like butterflies and excited before a game. But it was more like, let's do this. I'm so pumped to like, yeah. you know, for the journey. Um, so I joined Toastmasters. Because I was really inspired by people that could, individuals that could move people from a stage and could inspire people with their words and with their way of being, mm-hmm. let's say, from stage. It really gave me goosebumps when I'd see someone perform and deliver a message that inspired people to take action in a positive way. And you didn't know at this point that you'd be doing public speaking or podcasting or anything. You just no. just, just were, were drawn to it. So it seems like something was leading you. Something was leading me, yeah. <laughs> my heart, my instinct, my gut, whatever. Um, but it was definitely, I just knew I wanted to do something bigger than work for someone else, than, than build someone else's dream. And that's, yeah. And so I didn't, I didn't go into the interview. <laughs> and um, I started figuring out how to make money. I was like, all right, I got to figure it out. Like, it was like my back was against the wall. And I was like, how am I going to make money? And now is the time I got to do something because my sister is not allowing me to stay here that much longer. And so this is when you kind of were tra- you're in your butterfly stage, you know, almost a butterfly, yeah. and you're transforming. And then you um, you call yourself a social uh, lifestyle entrepreneur. Yeah, and that, that's kind of the birth of it. You think that's what I call myself yeah, now? Because <laughs> well, so many people ask me like, "What is it you do? Can you explain what you do?" And it's really challenging for me to explain, um, just because I feel like I do so many different things. And then, that's a good thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I feel, like, and it depends on the context. So talking to you, I'd say, "Oh, I'm a podcaster," you know, because you're a podcaster. So I could say that. But if it was an author I was talking to, I'd be like, "Well, I've written a couple books, and I write for Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, and I'm an author as well." But if it was an online marketer who has products, I would be like, oh, yeah, I'm an online marketer. I've got <laughs> eight courses on online, video training courses online. Uh, if it was uh, an NBA basketball player, I'd be like, yeah, I'm an athlete. I play in the USA national team. But I think that we all are. And and the ability to just peg yourself into one thing or another is kind of limiting. Very limiting. And that's why I think when I say entrepreneur, a lot of people are like, oh, so you don't have a job. <laughs> Oh, so you're broke, right? So I'm like, sure, if that's what you want to think. But uh, the reason I call myself a lifestyle entrepreneur is because I really, my dream is to live, um, to do what I love every single day and make money around what I love and do multiple things of what I love and make money around multiple things that I love. And so I'm constantly traveling. I'm constantly doing different things, learning new skills, starting businesses, selling businesses, advising, whatever. And that's, you know, 
working out, training to like fulfill my passions and having a balance with it all. Okay, so you're an entrepreneur, and why, so why why would people associate that with not having a job? When I think of entrepreneur, I think of someone that has their hand in all the pots. I consider myself an entrepreneur for yeah. different reasons. I don't have my hand in as many pots as you do, but I'm definitely you know my own business. I have my podcast. I'm a comedian. I'm an actress, and I have other things going on that I'm kind of self employed, and I'm my own business. Yeah, you know, it's not. Like I do work for other people. I consider myself an independent contractor, but I I don't know. I'm surprised that people say that. Like, maybe, it's don't have a the, job? maybe it's just maybe it's just L.A. people. They're so <laughs> skeptical about you know whatever. When someone says they're an actor, maybe they're like, oh, so you're broke. You know, right? <laughs> um, well, I do think that there's a lot of that. There's also a lot of I notice in L.A. new money, and I'll I'll see people trust fund babies. Mm-hmm. at you know starbucks at 10 a.m sure. saying that you know i'm an entrepreneur i'm a business person and really they're just living off a trust fund so right. maybe that's it and maybe they have some type of little thing they're trying to do with <laughs> not doing much yeah so maybe maybe it is an la thing but yeah. um so you launched your career with webinars is that correct yeah uh well it started with linkedin and a mentor of mine when i was right around this time where i was living in my sister's place I was asking different mentors, like, what should I do? So where did you find these mentors? Because you're saying, oh, I have these mentors. I have personal mentors, and it's been kind of a challenge finding them, and it's just people I've met through the podcast or other people that I've emailed and kept in contact with, and they end up evolving into that. Was that what you were doing, just cold emailing people or meeting people and just saying, hey, will you be my mentor? Or what? So one of them was uh, the CEO or the headmaster of the university I went to in Illinois, and I had known him. Headmaster for- sounds so Harry Potter. Yeah, right? <laughs> the headmaster. The, the, the CEO, the, the school, whatever. And he was, a, he qualified for the Olympic trials as a marathon runner. He was like an inventor. He had sold a number of businesses before and he was also the headmaster. So he was just a big supporter of like athletics at the school. And I really looked up to what he had created in his life. So... When I was in school, I would just have these meetings with him like once a month. We would go running at 6 a.m. together, and I would just like pick up so much from him. He was just like a book of quotes. Like everything he said, I was like, <laughs> I wish I could write this down. <laughs> so I just really admired what he had created in every aspect of his life. Personally, he had a great family. He has a great family. You know, he's, he, he ran a minimum of three miles every day for 20 years, didn't miss a day. So I was just so inspired by his discipline and commitment. And was, I was he just, like 15? He looked 30? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's 50-something, but yeah. And you're running three miles a day. <laughs> and just and so when I was going through this challenge, my father getting this accident, me getting you know injured, I reached out to him. I called him. I was just like, you know, you know, can you give me some insights or some thoughts or some feedback on what I can, what I should do? And um, you know, he was just very supportive always of me and my career, my journey as an athlete. That. He was like, anytime you want to call me, call me anytime. So I'd call him every few months and update him on what I'm creating, ask for feedback and advice. So it wasn't like, will you mentor me? But I would just call my mentor because we yeah. have that relationship. Um, <clears throat> but he was like, why don't you check out LinkedIn.com? Because I'm, I'm hearing about this site and people are getting jobs and opportunities and check it out. So when I was in this cast on my sister's couch, I spent about six to eight hours a day on that site for almost oh, wow. almost a year. And I was learning about the site. It was really growing extremely fast at the time. It started when I got on there. I think there was 15 million people. Now there's 250 or 300 million people on there. And so I was in there early 
connecting with so many influencers who are on there and reaching out to them, asking them for advice, asking them about their success, learning about their whole life story, their business career, their business success, and just getting a lot of information about people and what makes people tick, what, uh, how to connect with people without turning them off, how to inspire people, how to give, how to serve. I really was a, became a connector of, uh, solving problems. So every time I'd reach out to someone on LinkedIn, I'd ask them, you know, what's their biggest challenge in their business right now or their life? And they would tell me whatever I'm looking for. I wish I had a graphic designer or a great programmer or I wish I had a salesperson or something. And I'd be like, okay, cool. I know one of the top three graphic designers. Um, I'm happy to make an introduction to you. And so I would just make all these connections constantly for people. I didn't have a business still. I didn't have a product or a service. <laughs> so I couldn't make any money, but I was just like, I'm going to serve and give to everyone else. For giving, them giving me the, their time and like teaching me about their success, I want to give back. And So you're paying it forward, basically. I, yeah, I was paying it forward constantly. For a couple of years, I was doing this. And people started asking me, they started seeing my LinkedIn profile and they were like, man, your profile looks so good. Can you show me how to do that to my profile? So I was doing it for friends for free and then they were getting serious results. A lot of people were making, they were like getting the the dream job they've always wanted. They were getting all these sales and leads and they were saying it was directly from LinkedIn from what I'd shown them. And so I started charging for it for like 50 bucks an hour, I would do like a LinkedIn profile makeover. And then it was $200 an hour, then $300 an hour. And I remember just someone paid me $300 an hour to do their profile. And I just felt really bored. I was just like, (laughs) this is great. I'm making money, but it's not, I didn't feel like it was my calling to just trade my time to teach someone about a LinkedIn profile. It felt more like a side hustle. Yeah. I was just like, (laughs) this is good because I'm learning how to like make money. It was like necessary. Because I was yeah figuring it out, but I was like, this isn't trading my time for dollars is not what I want to be doing. It's not the best use of my time. So I my other, another mentor was like, well, why don't you write a book so you can create one product to teach the same thing you teach all these people, put it in a book, and then you sell it over and over, and you never have to trade your time. I said cool. I don't That's know. A really good idea. I don't know how to write a book. <laughs> I don't know. How to, but I was like, I almost flunked out of English in high school. I don't know how to write. A book, never done it before, and so he was like, "Well, I'll do it with you." He'd written a couple before, so we wrote a book together, and it was a, a book about generating success on LinkedIn. And uh, so, and what is that book for my listeners? <clears throat> it's called Linked Working. It's funny because I wrote this book like, man, back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and I still get people like sending me messages online. They're like <laughs> reading the book, loving it. I'm like, cool. So. So you're not trading your time anymore. You traded your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I leveraged my leveraged, ideas yeah. and packaged it in a way that I could sell it. And, um, but I still was like, okay, I'm not making much money off this book. It's like you know, I can sell it for ten bucks or whatever, and I wasn't selling like a ton of them. So I was like, ah, what can I do to really take my business, my income to the next level? And that's when webinars came into play. And a friend of mine asked me to come on a webinar and teach about LinkedIn, pretty much what I talk about in my book. And my first webinar, there was about five or 600 people on, and I was teaching LinkedIn advanced strategies. And at the end, I offered a, a tr- like an online training for more LinkedIn. <laughs> and um, 
yeah, at the end of the webinar, I, I closed down the webinar and opened up my email, and it was the most beautiful sight in the world <laughs> because <laughs> the entire screen was uh, covered with, you've received payment. Every line in my email said, you've received payment, you've received payment <laughs> from PayPal. And How was, much were you charging for the webinar? It was like a hundred. Oh, it was free webinar, but then this this uh, training at the end that the I was selling was a hundred fifty bucks for like a three hour training, and yeah, I did sixty three hundred dollars in an hour of this webinar. Sixty three hundred bucks was instantly in my PayPal account, and I was just like, what? "You're like, whoa, this is way it better changed, than the fifty dollars a yeah, website." <laughs> it changed my life. It changed my life. It changed my perception about making money uh, it changed like everything about what i could do in the future i was like holy crap when i can get a large audience of people in front of me at once deliver value for free and then those that want additional training i can sell those sell them something and save my time from doing it for one person at a time I over was and like, over and over yeah, again yeah. to 500 people a thousand people it was like it just all started to make sense it was like the moment when i I was, I was trying to learn salsa dancing and for three months I was like the <laughs> dumbest looking clump, clumpy, clumsiest white boy you'd ever seen on the dance floor and I just could not figure it out I was like oh I was like forcing it I was counting the steps every time so I was you were reinforcing to the white boys can't dance stereotype yeah, Lewis. it was bad <laughs> For, for three months and then I was trying to figure out how to do this one turn on the dance floor in the clubs it was like a double spin I don't know if you salsa but it was this like cool it's such a cool looking thing this like double spin and I was like god I would wish I could do that like these Puerto Rican dudes <laughs> and I remember like just trying it all the time I could never figure it out with the timing I was just like thinking so much it was in my head and then one night after three months this guy showed me how to do it <laughs> And I pra- and I tried it in the middle of a song, like in the nightclub. It was like amazing mood, beautiful woman. And I do this double spin. I was like, oh my god, it worked! And then it was like all of a sudden I was fluent in salsa, and I didn't have to think. And I was just like <laughs> dancing my ass off. I was just like this white salsa king of Ohio, and um, it was like I was fluent. And this was the moment when I was like fluent in learning how to make money. I was like, it's like the, Whoa. It, the, li- the light bulb went off. It went off and it was just <laughs> like, I don't have to think and try as hard. I don't have to think about it. It was also the same thing. It was like when football after four years, it was like, I didn't have to think about what I was going to do. I could see it. It was just like the vision was there because I put in the work. So I love what you're saying because you're kind of, you're kind of explaining that, you know, well, one, when things come together and all your hard work pays off, but also that creating abundance doesn't have to be the struggle. You know, you're, you're creating money now effortlessly and everything you're doing is coming from joy. And because I know that I definitely grew up and I know a lot of people have grown up with the belief that you have to work very, very, very hard to make money. And that money is this thing that is, you know, out of our reach and we have to work so hard and we have to work three jobs or whatever because you know I grew up with my dad just instilling the value of hard work and it seems like here you were you were working very hard of course but you're leveraging and using the power of working smarter not harder instead of using yeah. one instead of doing a presentation in front of one person and getting maybe $50 or $100 you were doing you know a 500 people a thousand people and leveraging your emotional intelligence and your knowledge to multiply your earnings. Yeah. I think uh, 
you know, I, I don't know if you can you can't work hard at any some point though. I think that there's some point you have to do a lot of work. I'm not saying be lazy, but I'm saying a lot yeah, of people yeah, yeah. have this stereotype that it has to be a constant struggle. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a struggle though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't, hard, I don't like this idea that it's like a constant, you have to be constantly... No, no, you can work really hard and still be joyful when you work hard. <laughs> and I, I love working hard. I feel like, you know, today this workout, I was just like, I can take it easy or I can push myself to the max and feel growth in my body. And I think when I... But I was also like screaming. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Come on. Put it up. Let's go, baby. So I was like having fun, but I was feeling pain. It was a lot of pain. <laughs> And I think the only way to have pleasure is to experience an immense amount of pain in everything, whether it be relationships. <laughs> the only way yes. for me to experience pleasure is to be vulnerable. And for me, that's sometimes that's extremely challenging and painful because it's like it's not comfortable. So anything that's not comfortable usually is painful in some way, maybe emotionally and mentally, physically. And in order to grow as an athlete, the only way to grow is to put yourself through pain. I, I guess what I'm, I totally agree with you. I just meant it doesn't have to be a constant struggle. It does not have to be. Because no. I, I hear a lot no, of, no, no. a lot of people with very limiting belief systems saying that it has to be, you know, well, it's just a struggle. It's hard. It's the economy. It's blah, blah, blah. And not really saying, Hey, I can empower myself. I can do something for myself. And it sounds like, you know, the past what six seven years have been rough in the economy yet you're creating financial abundance yeah yeah and it yeah. doesn't it doesn't have to be hard it doesn't have to be a struggle <clears throat> i'm not and, saying don't do the work i'm just saying it doesn't have to be this crazy yeah. and intense. some people may be like well you can do it but i can't do it and you know i, I don't like when people say that because i nearly flunked out of high school <laughs> it took me seven years to finish college i was always in the bottom five in my class in high school i went to a private pr- private high school in St. Louis, Missouri. It was a boarding school. And I was, they would rank us on our grade cards. I don't, oh my know, if, gosh. I don't know if your school did this. No! So <laughs> that would have been horrible! There was like, there was like a hundred, there was like 80 of us in each class or something. It was a small private school. And I was always like number 70. I cannot believe they would rank you. That is just, the most depressing, I've never like, heard of that. <laughs> talk about low self-esteem. I was, I was last. <laughs> I was never last, I don't think. There was always some kid, it was just like, horrible like just didn't care didn't show up or whatever but i was in the bottom five always and to get that grade card every quarter and see that and just know that i'm a retard basically compared to the rest of these students it sucked it really brought down my self-esteem my brother went to prison for four years growing up as a kid from eight to twelve i wasn't allowed to have any friends come to my house because he was in prison for selling drugs for selling lsd to an undercover cop and you know i was I was sexually abused when I was five. I was uh, my parents were divorced when I was a teenager. I didn't feel safe in my home. I felt extremely ignorant in school. I could never memorize anything, and so, and I never had a job. So for people to, you know, I hate it when people say, "Well, you can do it because you're tall or whatever," like you're an athlete or this. You've got this mindset. I'm you're like, saying anyone can do it, and adversity doesn't can do matter. It. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, for the amount of the the lack of knowledge that I knew in school and how horrible of a student that I was in the school. Uh, anyone who had better grades than me can do this as well or less grades than me. You know, it's just like, it doesn't matter. Uh, well, I just wanted to acknowledge what you said and acknowledge the fact that you mentioned being sexually abused because mm-hmm. a lot of men do not talk about that. And so for you just to say that in a public forum is to be acknowledged for sure. 
Um, it seems like it's very, I have friends that are male that have been, and they're very private about it. Mm. And I know that it's not acceptable, obviously for women to have it done, but usually men don't speak out about it. So right. that's awesome right. that Thank you, you just yeah. spoke out about that. Yeah, I actually just form. shared about it a week ago on my podcast and it was like kind of overwhelming the responses from men and women, the stories that, I mean, the emails that I'm getting still today from people who are opening up for the first time about their abuse or rape experience is incredibly overwhelming, but heartwarming at the same time to know that people are starting their own process of going through healing and letting it go and forgiveness. And uh, it took me 25 years to, to talk about it. It was, ex- awesome. it was extremely, yeah. I mean, I felt a lot of shame for a long time. And that's something... You know, women experience for sure shame and and pain and emotional. But I think for men, sometimes because men are supposed to be the aggressors or the more masculine ones are strong, that it's not acknowledged that there's, you know, shame and pain and guilt and all this stuff. And I know with some of the sex scandals with the, you know, Catholic Church and the priests where it was predominantly men being molested, some of that came out. But there's still a taboo in society about people saying that I was sexually abused but as a young adult so i can't imagine being a child and being helpless so yeah i was five it was not fun well i acknowledge you for that lewis that's really really powerful i appreciate it so guys out there don't be afraid or ashamed it's nothing to be ashamed of and it's not your fault and yeah if someone like lewis house who is a public speaker six four athlete And a powerful man can admit it, then there's no shame in it at all. Yeah. So that's really cool Thank that you. you are bringing awareness to that. Um, I also wanted to touch on something we talked about earlier, which is mentoring. Um, so, you you know, you just said if someone says, well, I can't do it. You can because of X, Y, Z. And you're saying, no, anyone can do it. Yeah. I also want to touch on how important mentoring is. I know none of these people are quote unquote officially your mentors. I have life coaches and mentors and I've used them and I have had a lot of people say, well, why should I have a life coach? Why do I need someone to, you know, whatever, why should I have a mentor? And, um, you're saying that it's brought you extreme amounts of value Mm -hmm. and I've shared it. And I think that even if you don't have this crazy goal to go and change the world and you just want to be a successful person, it's important. Right. I think so. I mean, I, I base everything off my sports experience because that's what I know best. And in sports, we had goals. Every season, there was a new goal. And we had personal goals and we had team goals. And the only way for me to really achieve those goals was to have someone coaching me along the way to help me get better, keep me accountable, to give me feedback on what's working and what's not working, and to push me in a way that I can't push myself. And... Why would I not have a mentor or a coach in life, in business, in something that Why I, wouldn't you want to be pushed, encouraged? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I look at everything as like a, a support, everything. My relationships, I mean, obviously it's, it's different, but it's like in my relationships, when I'm in a relationship, even when I'm not in a relationship, I work with love coaches, dating, like dating coaches, everything still to teach me how to become a loving, vulnerable, inspiring dedicated man and to really be able to connect with the woman I'm in a relationship with in a loving, vulnerable way. And for me, that's important to continue growing. Even when I think I've got it all figured out, <laughs> you don't, right? Cause I feel like, okay, I've been doing this coaching stuff. I've been like, 
I got it. I'm pretty good. I'm like, I'm pretty good, you know? I feel like I'm great at a lot of things. But I'm like, there's always another level of intimacy. There's always another level of vulnerability. There's always another level of connection, of love, and understanding myself and other people. There is, and we're in a new information age. You know, for those of you who have seen your grandparents married for 60 or 65, 70 years, you know, maybe they have stayed together and had the success, but you don't know the depth of the relationship. You don't know some of the stuff that we know now, and maybe that it could be improved. You know, staying together doesn't necessarily mean happiness. I've been with my husband and married been with him for five years and been married for three years and we are constantly learning stuff right yeah (laughs) constantly yeah we you know we've done relationships class classes together life coaching other things and it's only improved and the challenges especially in our modern society with all the distractions and everything uh you need a coach (laughs) i i'm i know that when i get married if i get married when i get married that i'm gonna want to have a coach for my marriage I'm going to have someone who I can like connect with and talk to and just be like here's what's happening here's what's working on even if it's going great or even if it's you know there's some challenges and I'm going to request of my wife to have a coach as well like I want us both to be coached because I think if we're not working on growth then it's going to be a challenge it's going to get stagnant it's going to be challenging and when, when stuff hits the fan it's going to be like I don't know maybe one of us will back out or something you know so ladies if you're interested in lewis you better be willing to step <laughs> up to the plate <laughs> my, my wife is going to be extraordinary she's going to be so well connected and tapped into her everything about herself and, and extraordinary that's for sure so only connect with me in that way if <laughs> you're up for being extraordinary and pushing yourself to a new challenge every single day it's true and, and being a married woman myself with a man who is up to big things we're both up to big things sometimes it doesn't always look pretty but the end result is always amazing and the rough the rough times are always a learning experience yeah right (laughs) so how you look at it um yeah so i just wanted to get that out there because sometimes i have you know listeners or fans emailing me and asking me about life coaching or mentorship and they're like well i just you know i love listening to your podcast but i'm just a you know secretary why would i benefit or have value from this yeah and a mentor can be can look any way i mean it could be a friend it doesn't need to be this like person you aspire to be (laughs) it doesn't need to be you don't have to pay a lot for the dalai lama yeah it doesn't have to be that it could just be like who's someone i want to have a better relationship who does someone I know that has got a great relationship? Every time I'm around them, I'm like, man, they've got stuff figured out in their relationship. That could be my mentor that I talk to once a month for an hour. Or I take them out to, to lunch or coffee or whatever once a month and um, just connect. We, but there's different ways it could look. You could hire, I've hired business coaches. I've hired love coaches. I've not hired them because they just <laughs> they want to be, they wanna be, support me. We're friends. And... Um, it doesn't matter how it looks. Just uh, I think it's important to it's have important someone to have who's one. got your back, who's willing to call you out on your BS. That is important. Yeah, that I is mean, important because it's not going to be if you've never had a life coach or you've never had a relationship coach or a whatever coach. It's not. It's kind of it is like sports. You know, when they're saying run harder, do this more, you know, it's not always going to be, oh, you're such an awesome person and you're great. And let me uplift you with all this positive stuff. Sometimes they're going to say, you know what? You're being in your ego. Yeah. You're being a total, total egomaniac right now or you're, you know, you're wrong or whatever. They're going to call you out. A good coach yeah. will call you out and it's going to get uncomfortable. But in that discomfort comes growth. Yeah, of course. Extreme growth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's only 
it's only in, you only want to mentor a coach if you have goals. If you don't have goals and you're just floating through life, then there's no point in having someone coach you to get somewhere because you don't know where you want to be. Well, what about well? So that's a good point. So what about someone who knows that they want to be in a bigger place and or has a higher mission, and they're kind of like you were when you were on that couch where they didn't really know, <clears throat> sure, you know, and, and they don't they have a goal, but they don't know what the goal is. I think it's I mean, for me, my goals shift and change and evolve constantly. And uh, you know, at the time, my goal was to get my own apartment. It was to not be on my sister's couch <laughs> and to be able to afford my own apartment and pay my own rent so it can be little goals it yeah, doesn't have to just, be i want to be president of the united states of america tomorrow <laughs> i just wanted to feel like a normal man that could take care of my basic needs which was food and shelter because i couldn't take care of myself that way at the time financially and so it was just like what can i do to get there first and did i want to be talking about linkedin like at the time i was passionate about linkedin i was like cool i want to talk about this stuff but then it got boring and I didn't want to talk about it anymore. So it's not like I have to be stuck in this one thing. It's going to evolve and adapt and be flexible. But you've got to have some type of goal and then you can have someone coaching you to get there. <laughs> Let's talk about your podcast, School of mm-hmm. Greatness. Mm-hmm. So you're doing all these things. You know, you're doing the entrepreneurship, the lifestyle and engineering and and, and then a podcast what mm-hmm. what sparked you know for my story my listeners know my story but i don't know what yeah, what made you, you know, think uh, i'm going to share this knowledge i'm going to share this passion with others in this way well I was, I've, I've had a blog for a number of years and i've been doing youtube videos and speaking at events i've written books or i guess posts on a lot of different sites but i guess it was like a year and a half ago i started my friend pat flynn who's got one of the top podcasts on itunes called smart passive income he was just like killing it on his podcast and just like getting so many new listeners, so many subscribers, so much traffic to his website. And my other friend launched a podcast. It started taking off and he was like, dude, I'm getting so many leads from my podcast to my site. And I was just like, this is crazy. People listen to these things because <laughs> I've never listened to podcasts. <clears throat> I was like, wow. And... um yeah, you know, I just know a lot of music. They usually. do, and they're very informed listeners, and no, they're very smart it's and incredible. amazing, and yeah, no, alternative thinkers. It's been incredible. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, I started researching more about podcasting, and just realizing how powerful iTunes was and the audience on iTunes and Stitcher and everything else. And I was just like, I think I, and I just sold uh, a comp- my company that I wasn't, you know feeling fulfilled in anymore so I sold that to my business partner and I was like what's my next move going to be I don't want to talk about LinkedIn and social media anymore what I really want to be talking about and be known for is greatness in all area of your life and how to achieve this and I don't have all the answers but I feel like with my connections I could bring on guests that might I could bring on these (laughs) inspiring like unbelievable guests and I was just like I really don't want to talk about one subject I love sports. I love athletes. I love business leaders. I love spiritual leaders. I was just like, I love all these types of topics. So I wanted to create a podcast that was centered around achieving greatness in your own life, both personally, professionally, uh, athletically, spiritually, in relationships. And that's when it kind of spawned. I was just like, I'm going to create this thing. It's going to be called the School of Greatness. <laughs> well, how did you come up with the name? I was thinking about this the other day. I, I can't remember. Now, I remember really... My friend Marie Folio has got this thing, B-School. I don't know if this was inspired by her or not, but I was like, school was always a challenge for me. I remember being like, I want to have something that's like 
a program, but it's not like people, it's not traditional school. And yeah, you were getting these report cards that said Lewis is left. School is the worst thing for me. <laughs> I hated going to school because it was just like so embarrassing for me. I couldn't read in public. Whenever the teachers would be like, okay, who wants to read aloud? And they were like calling us. I was so embarrassed because the simplest words I couldn't read and I would just kind of like mumble over them. Mm-hmm. And I just felt so ignorant every single day in school. I just felt so stupid. And it was just so embarrassing for me. So I was just like, I don't learn well this way. I learn well using my body and connecting with people one-on-one and like, you know, kinesthetically and other ways is how I learn, not from reading a book and memorizing. It's the worst way for me to learn. So I was just like, I want to uh, bring on people that can teach in a different way about greatness in their own way. And I guess School of Greatness came about. (laughs) But not your traditional school, you know? Do you think that traditional schooling in this country is actually um, hurting students? Because I know I've heard this countless times from many of my guests and also very successful people that I've talked to that said I just didn't fit with normal school. I think all of us learn in different ways. You know, there's analyzers, there's promoters, there's controllers, there's <laughs> people who are supportive, there's introverts, there's extroverts. We all have different personality types. So I think we're all going to learn differently. And what school is really good at is helping the people and being supportive to the people that learn well from being in the book and like being introverted and like studying really hard, long hours. I couldn't focus for more than a few minutes if that happened. I just like daydream looking at a book. I would read the first paragraph over and over and over again for a half hour. You sound like me. And I, <laughs> and I still didn't know what was What happening. they were saying. <laughs> and I was just like this book is so long and it took me a half hour to get through three pages i can't finish this so i would just give up and i would just like how am i going to do this i was so antsy and bored like sitting down doing this i was just like i want to move i want to go around and move and work out and like play so i really think that school i just don't feel like it's set up to help all the kids win it's not like a win-win for everyone I think that people have different types of intelligence and they're all, you know, great forms of intelligence. There's, I think there's this meme that go go on Facebook where it says, you know, it has a fish and they're asking the fish to climb the tree and it's saying, well, you're judging intelligence, you know, a certain way. And I Mm -hmm. think some people have physical, you know, very high physical intelligence and they learn through um, doing yeah, and they learn through like. watching and learn through seeing and I don't know what the solution would be I have a good friend that's a public school teacher and she said she's having a hard time teaching the way that she that everyone can learn where everyone can learn because it's all about you know taking these standardized tests and getting certain scores and yeah. measuring measuring and I don't know if that's the best answer for kids so I don't think so but I don't know the solution I just know that there's I was so antsy all the time. I wanted to move all the time. There needs to be more than 30 minutes of peace or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's got to be some type of like learning where we're standing, learning where we're moving, more games, Interactive, more games. Experiential learning. Yeah, yeah, more experiential learning. Maybe it's like a fourth of the day is experiential moving, learning. Another fourth is whatever. Something. I would fall asleep. I, would, I actually remember in pre-calculus class or whatever in high school, falling asleep. Jeez. And I, <laughs> I actually learned, I can't do this anymore. I actually learned how to fall. So you know how there's like sleep and then there's deep REM sleep? Yeah. I actually learned how to fall asleep into only the first level of sleep where I could sleep and hear the teacher at the same time. Sure, sure. And so I would sleep in class and then when he would call on me, I would wake up 
Isn't that crazy? Nuts. <laughs> and I would know where he was. And it was really, I don't know if that's even sleeping, but. It's more like. Like na- nodding? Meditating. <laughs> I think it was like, meditating. It's like calm, <laughs> slowing your heart rate down. Calm, meditation. Medit- but I remember doing that and learning how to do that and teaching myself how to do that. Yeah, it's just how do they expect people to just be attentive for eight hours a day sitting down at a desk? I don't know. As a 10 year old, just wants to run around. <laughs> That's no wonder kids like get home and they're just like banging in the walls. <laughs> I mean, I was just like, a, I was like a little brat because I was just had so much energy and I was so antsy. And you wanted to really set energy, yeah. not just sitting there staring at a chalkboard. No, I was just so, and I couldn't remember and I just felt shameful and stupid because I couldn't remember and like I was a bad person because I wasn't understanding like all these other kids were. And it just seemed like some people, it was so easy for them to get straight A's. Mm-hmm. I just like didn't even try. And I was just like, I'm trying and I can barely get a C minus. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, some of the most successful people that I know and that I've interviewed are people that don't follow the conventional yeah. path. So, you know, if you're a kid right now or a teenager and you're listening to the podcast, don't feel hopeless because you're just, uh, a, you know, going to have your own path to blaze. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know too many students from my college and high school who have uh, who are like making it or like killing it you know in their career they have like the ones that like were really good conventional then they're going to be great and have a conventional job yeah they're not going to be extraordinary they're just going to be they're going to do high mediocre on. yeah exactly <laughs> I don't know but for me it's I just feel like at any moment my life could be over and I want to live my life the way that I want to live it I want to have every moment be meaningful. I want to be striving to do something that inspires me and other people and that serves the world. And I feel like if I'm sacrificing any hours of my time doing something that I do not love, or that's not serving a higher purpose or my higher mission, then I'm doing a disservice to myself and my talents. That's true. I think that's a good way to look at it for a lot of people because some people are afraid, you know, oh, I don't want to speak out. I don't want to sing i don't want to do you know whatever my passion is because my parents might get mad or my friends might look at me a certain way and it's kind of a negative reinforcement but it's also positive in the way that to think of it as you're taking away from the world when you're not being your brightest light when you're not being your fullest you know bloom of a flower yeah and and looking at it that way instead of saying oh i might piss people off because i'm being who i really am to say you know what you're actually stealing from the world a gift when you're not being the brightest you can be and I think that's a really good way yeah, to look if, at it Lewis. And if you're going to live the rest of your life that way and you spend the next 60 years living that same way not to upset your parents or not to look to speak up or to talk out or do what you love because you don't want to upset someone I just feel like when you're on your deathbed you're going to really regret missing out on all these opportunities in your life and it's going to be a really sad moment for you and at any moment I could be gone and I don't want to have this regret of I didn't live my fullest day or I wasn't on the track of living like my highest purpose, my yeah. highest sense. And I don't want to wait till I'm 90 or a hundred or whatever it is, 60 or whatever when I die because it could happen right when I walk out of this podcast. It could happen. At I any will moment. walk you across the street. Yeah, to I, make sure I, mean, <laughs> I really hope it doesn't. I'm just, I, I'm expecting to live a long, healthy life. 
You that's do, but intention. a lot of people run that light. I'm not even kidding. I almost got run over yesterday. A lot of people run Jeez. that light. So let well, me walk you out just to my get this. Atten- <laughs> my intention is to live a long, healthy, happy life and inspire the world with whatever I'm creating at, in that time. But again, it's like we don't know. We don't. And an asteroid could hit. Anything. Yeah. Whatever like could happen. Earthquake, whatever. Earthquake, whatever. World, global, <clears throat> whatever, flooding. Yeah. <laughs> Anything. And I hope, you know, I hope all of us are healthy and live long lives, but it's just like life is now. So let's talk about you as a mentor because you're saying it's great to have a mentor and give the out of the box listeners a couple tidbits of gold. What are a couple things that are ways of being or things in your life that you wish someone would have told a 24 year old Lewis house? I mean, you just did one, live your life to your fullest, you know, living with no regrets and without fear. Mm. But it's like, if you could just go to Lewis back in time and say, dude, Mm. this is something that you just need to know. (sighs) Hmm. I think back then I was still like beating myself up a lot and I was still, I would, I would would achieve everything, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And it was because I was living from a place of ego and I was really living from a place of, wanted to do things with my mind as opposed to with my heart fully. And as a child, I grew up wanting to just love the world. I had a huge smile, a big heart. My intention was to just hug everyone, (laughs) to smile (laughs) with the intention of them smiling back at me. And that's all I wanted to do. But there were a number of instances in my life, like going through sexual abuse when I was five, my brother going to prison when I was eight, my parents fighting a lot and then getting divorced when I was a teenager and a number of other instances that happened that, led me to not come from my heart as much and start thinking from my head and wanting to push people away and protect myself and want to be right and have other people be wrong and me want to win and other people to lose. And So let's address that really quick because that's really, really, really profound what you just said and important because you know, you're an athlete yeah. and a lot of people think of athletes as a win-lose mentality having the other team loses, I win. You know, my opponent loses, I win, and yet you're advocating for that mentality was making you feel empty and a mentality of everyone winning. Explain yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I so I got to the point where I was like, I was always right, and I could back it up. I was winning at everything, and everyone else was losing, and then I was just like, felt very lonely and sad and unfulfilled. Like, every time I achieved something that I wanted so bad, I would do it, and then I was just like, I am the loneliest person in the world right now, and depressed, and... I never felt good enough and all these things. It's because I was really like leading from my head and not my heart. And when I started shifting, uh, so I realized this in the last, like in my late 20s. In my late 20s, I started shifting out of this. I started doing a lot of personal growth and development work and um, really realized that, holy crap, my whole life I've been living from this place of win-lose where I wanted to win to feel like I was loved and accepted and, and, and all these things. And as an athlete, like you said, <clears throat> like there's got to be a winner and a loser on the, on the scoreboard. <laughs> and I still want to win at every sport that I play, but I look at it differently. When I lose, I also look at the wins that I created from that experience. So it's not so black and white. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I may lose the game, but win the battle or whatever. You, <laughs> know. you know, whatever it no, is. No, I like, totally get it. <laughs> it's, but I look at it things differently now. It's like I'm not going to win every game. 
It's just not going to happen. And if it does, it's not going to be fun because I'm never going to learn anything. When I lose the game, it's what it's, it's feedback is. Win and loss is feedback, the way I've learned about it now. It's like, okay, I won, so I did something that worked against my opponent. Uh, maybe it won't work against every opponent, but it worked against this opponent. When I lose, something's not working. What's missing from me? What's missing from our team? If it's a team sport, what's missing from the coach? What can I change so that we can win the, the, next, the next game? And, and it's, not, it's not it. a place... It sounds like you're coming from it more from a neutral place and yeah. just assessment instead of beat up. Yeah, and I used to beat myself up constantly when I would win and lose. When I win, it was never good enough, and I wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was could have been the highest score. I could have been like the best. Broken a world. I broke a world record one game in college, and we lost the game, and I beat myself up for weeks. Even I, though you beat, even though I was no one had ever done something in the world that I had done that moment. I was just like, I'm not good enough because I put all the blame on me for for us losing the game. Even though no one had ever done what I had done. And um, yeah, because again, I was coming from my head. I was like, coming from a place of like, I want to achieve these things so people love me or people accept me or they think I'm cool. It was like all about my image and wanting to feel right. So that I, because I was protecting myself so much and I was so guarded from these experiences that I was taking myself away from my natural instinct, which was like being this loving, <laughs> fun child. You are. You're a big teddy bear. Yes. <laughs> and I think you've come full circle from being that little kid again. Yeah. Where you kind of let go of that. And, and it's so important. I think that is one of the biggest lessons. Very good mentorship note, Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> right. Very good. Yeah. So, I mean, I would just look at everything as like, it's a journey. And I'm still on this journey. It's like, I still don't have it all figured out. There's still a lot that I want to uh, achieve and people I want to connect with and, uh, you know, be, I want to be in love. I want to experience like kids. I want to experience all these different things. Um, so if I was talking to my 24-year-old self, I would say, get out of my head. <laughs> step <laughs> out of your my, head into Get your into heart. my heart. <laughs> and that may sound a little weird or cheesy or something, but I would say lead from like a, a pure intention and do the work do whatever work I need to to get to that place and it may not happen right away it may take some time to learn and to evolve and I may need more experiences I may need to feel more pain and more challenges in order before I get there I had a life coach I know you talked about pain earlier who said you know people want to fall in love without experiencing pain and he was like love is pain (laughs) but he didn't mean it in a negative way he just meant it's like you can't just feel one side of the coin. Yeah, yeah. You have to experience both sides of the coin. If you want to have the extreme amazing good, you yeah. have to be able to experience the bad. And it's it's so true in relationship or anything else. It's like those tough times. And it's so crazy because the toughest times that I've ever had, I actually look back at them fondly and yeah. laugh and be yeah. like, oh, remember that? <laughs> yeah. Sleeping on my sister's couch for a year and a half is one of the best times of my life. You look back at those things or even journal entries. Like I've looked at journal entries that I wrote in my late teens, early twenties, when I was going through a really rough time, and I, they bring me so much comedy. And I just laugh. I'm like, why was that even an issue? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. There's that saying: if you don't look at yourself a year, if you don't look back at yourself from last year and say, "What the heck was I thinking?" You're not learning enough. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> so, Louis, I am so sad because I am having so much fun with you, and we have to wrap up. Okay. Um, is there anything that you would like to promote? No, just say hi to me online. <laughs> I'm at What's your Twitter? Lu- I'm at Lewis House on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I, I'm using Instagram a lot lately, so 
post a picture and tag me where you are listening to this this episode of us. And uh, I'm at Lewis, com and School of Greatness Podcast. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Out of the Box. Please visit outoftheboxpodcast.com and click on the donate button. We're now accepting Litecoins and Bitcoins. Don't forget to visit hugmetees.com, hugmetees.com, spread love, give a hug, hugmetees.com. This has been Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. Mm-hmm.